Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Healthy Innovators. Thank you for joining us. My name is Barry Schreier and I'm the founder of Giant Health. Together with my associates tonight, we're going to be talking about some of the important issues in healthcare and about how innovation in technology can help to address these issues. Again, I'm the founder of Giant Health and we have a grand vision. Our vision is to improve the health and the well-being of people around the world by promoting innovation in healthcare and supporting health tech entrepreneurs. So once again, thank you for joining us in this week's episode. I'm very, very humbled and uh, proud to introduce you to some of my associates in the industry. These are people that are incredibly talented and motivated and capable and uh, delivering great things in the world of healthcare. So thank you for uh, joining us. What I'm going to do is ask everybody to introduce themselves briefly, and then as we do in all of our episodes, we're going to talk a little bit about leading healthcare issues and how technology innovation is helping to address those challenges. Thank you. So, um, Samir, good to see you. Please, if we can begin with you, if you can introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Hi, Barry. Um, many thanks for inviting me. It's a um, pleasure. So, um, my background, I'm, I'm um, Chief Executive of Zilliqo. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a bit about Zilliqo in a minute. Um, my background is, is commercial and business, so as I said to you earlier, yes. I ask the stupid questions. Yeah. Um, Those are and, the good ones. <laughs> yes, and I've been with Zilliqo for the last eight years. Um, prior to that, I was with another life science business that oh, okay. we sold off to Beckton Dickinson. Oh, nice um, one. So, Hope that um, was a good exit. It was. Yeah. Um, and the proud thing for me is those products are in the pipeline. Yes, people made money, which is which is um, um, always useful. Sure. Um, but the nine products that we had in the pipeline are now all um, out there. Oh, fabulous. What does Zilliqo do? So it was really interesting, your introduction. And, and our vision is absolutely the same. So we're about improving healthcare outcomes. Mm -hmm. And that's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Um, so Zilliqo uses a electrical technique of assessing tissue structure at a cellular and uh, um, cellular and tissue level, mm -hmm. and use that to diagnose or give diagnostic information to a clinician. Okay. So our lead product is a product called ZScan, mm -hmm. uh, which is out on the market, being used within the United Kingdom, within NHS trusts, within hospitals. We've just had um, a big hospital in Helsinki take the product on. Oh, fabulous! Congratulations. Um, so. Yeah. It's progressing. Um, yeah. It's within the cervical cancer pathway. Okay. Um, and it's improving um, outcomes for women. Excellent. Um, oh, glad to hear so that. Let's hear more about that in yeah. the discussion, please. Thanks. Thank yeah. you. And um, James, nice to see you. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Yeah. If you can introduce yourself, please, and uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about what you've been doing. Sure. So my name's James. Mm -hmm. I'm an anesthetics and intensive care doctor by background. So mm -hmm. practiced clinically for five years. Uh, had various roles in leadership and policy. I've worked at the BMJ, I've worked at Health Education England, I've worked at NHS England, um, and I ran something called the DigitalHealth.London Accelerator. So oh, an accelerator nice. all about giving startups market access to the NHS. Mm -hmm. uh, did that for a year, um, and I've just launched uh, HS, which is my own health tech accelerator with my co-founder, Alex Young. Oh, fabulous. And Congratulations, well, it's a big step. Thank you very much, yeah. uh, certainly is. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all about scaling that impact, so not just focusing on the NHS. So right. what we do at HS, we, mm -hmm. we build, we scale, and from our next cohort, we will invest in health tech startups. Oh, fabulous. So we select anything from an individual with an idea right. all the way up to an early stage team, so between seed and series A, mm -hmm. and we accelerate them to product market fit, customers, and investment. Nice. It's amazing that you're willing to look at people that are just at the idea stage, which I think is, is important, but not so popular amongst the incubators and the accelerators. No, absolutely. And I think mm. that's the value of being health tech specific. So with yes. our health tech vertical, mm -hmm. 
we can accept individuals with ideas as, mu as much as we would give information and advice and knowledge and guidance sure. to an early stage team. We mm -hmm. can impart that to an individual who might be looking for a co-founder right. and we can really set those teams up in the right way. So actually the earlier, okay. often the better because we can impart that advice and yeah. get them set up to, to build and scale properly within health techs. So. Yes, huge need for that. So uh, congratulations on getting that off the ground. Thanks very much. Yeah, I hope to hear more about that as well. And um, Stephen, nice to see you, obviously. Thank nice you for joining us and glad nice that to you're with you us today. Yeah, it's nice to be here and it's mm. nice to, to bump into everybody. And um, James and I bumped into each other a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. So, yes, it's great to be here. Um, I'm Stephen Doherty. I'm the Chief Information Officer for South London and Maudsley, a large mental health provider in, in South London. Uh, I'm also the chair of the London CIO Council for all the providers that get together every every two months and we, we try and work out how we can collaborate, how we can push the digital agenda, etc. Mm. So it's, it's really nice to be here because it's, it's, it's really close to my heart because um, from a, a technology perspective, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a clinician, um, I'm, I've only been in the NHS, I'm only three and a half years young in the <laughs> NHS. Um, I know my background is, is uh, games industry, um, you're working in places like Sony PlayStation, etc., and mm. digital marketing. So I've got a varied background. Yes. Um, and, and, and bringing that into healthcare um, over the last three and a half years has been great because it's, it's, it's given the team and the department and the organization a different perspective about how we can achieve things. And we, oh, we nice. have achieved a bit of success. Um, we are one of the seven mental health global digital exemplars in London. In fact, we are London's only mental health global digital exemplar. What does that mean? Um, some of our viewers might not be familiar with the uh, global exemplar program. Mm -hmm. So if you could just elaborate on that a little bit, please. Sure. Um, about uh, probably about two to three years ago, um, there was a, a prominent um, uh, medic who came over from the US, uh, Robert Wachter, mm -hmm. and he conducted what was called the, the Wachter Review around digitizing the whole NHS. Right. Um, and one of the the programs he said was to, well, you, you can't expect everyone to digitize at the same time, so create an exemplar program. Oh. And what you're expected to do, we've agreed a three-year program of deliverables, so you create digital blueprints mm -hmm. for your sector, and then you have fast followers who then can adopt those blueprints um, and, and, and evolve those blueprints as well. Oh, okay. So, so the exemplar is uh, at the forefront, so to speak creating a map, which doesn't necessarily exist, about some, what, digital innovation or transition stuff. Yes. And the creation of that roadmap helps the, 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 the rest of the community. Yes. So, the, so, so within the, the England, there are 16 yep. acute uh, digital exemplars and okay. there are seven mental health digital exemplars. Oh, okay. Oh, fabulous. Can you help us very briefly? Um, what does a CIO do? on a day-to-day -day basis when you get to work in the morning and are sitting at your desk and does the phone start ringing immediately and you just are chatting to everybody all day long or is there more to it? By the time I get to work, I've already done a day's work to okay. be honest with you yeah. because yeah, I commute. That sounds familiar. I commute and so um, yeah. we're always on, we're always connected and that's because we are trying to achieve a, a sort of difference in, in the work-life balance and we appreciate that people don't have to be in the nine to five now, right? So we were one of the first trusts to go oh. fully Office 365 about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is changing the way we communicate and collaborate. So it allows nice. people to, to pick up on stuff, um, you know, at different times of the day, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But we've got to watch, we don't stress people out. Mm. Um, so what does the CIO do? We have to do all things. We have to make sure that we protect the assets from mm -hmm. a, a cyber perspective. Yes. We have to comply with uh, the General Data Protection Regulation Act. We have to keep the clinical platforms running. 
Um, we have to make sure we've got IT support. We've got to uh, enable a digital workforce. Now, this is one of our important programme deliverables with NHS England as right. part of the exemplar programme. Mm -hmm. So it's no good just um, going out to your, your, your staff, different culture in the mm -hmm. NHS. And so therefore, one of our programmes is how do we go out there and actually help people to use these tools, the Office 365 platform, you know? Yes. How do we get people to adopt and become more efficient? So it's a lot of hand-holding and working yes. out how people can learn differently. So this is a huge programme for us. Wow, very interesting. So the theme of adoption itself is a challenge. The technology might be there, but the theme of, well, how do we get people to use it and to engage successfully with it is itself a challenge in this world of healthcare innovation. Very interesting. So what we'd like to do is to talk about a few uh, broader themes in uh, healthcare and uh, uh, connecting those to tech innovation. Uh, if you have any ideas you'd like to uh, chat about, anything in terms of uh, specific healthcare issues or um, uh, health subjects themselves, like what, what kind of things are you guys focusing on right now? I think it's just touching upon what um, Steve said. I think mm. adoption of technology, I think, is a big issue mm. um, right across the, the healthcare spectrum. Um, and, and there are significant challenges. Challenges are there to be overcome from my perspective. Yes. So, you know, challenge isn't something that you say, oh, well, we'll stop because it's a challenge. It's, okay, we have to find ways of, mm. of getting through that. Mm. Um, we, we do have the complication in, in the healthcare industry of the regulation um, and the regulatory bodies, as, as we mentioned earlier, the, the FDA, um, NICE mm. in the mm. UK, are getting to grips with technology. Yes. Um, and, and let's be honest, everyone is catching up. Mm. Um, and I think that if there's an honest conversation about it, it may actually speed up some of that adoption, in my view, mm. uh, in our experience. But uh, In terms of the regulators, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Catching up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It must be very difficult with uh, whatever it is. There's 300,000 healthcare apps now, and, and yeah. most of them are not evidence-based. and Exactly. Things like yeah. that. So that's quite interesting. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, yeah, I think, about, yeah, James. Yeah, I mean... This is bread and butter of a health tech accelerator, right? So yes. getting things adopted is tough. Yeah. The tech's already here, so quite often people say the future's already here, it's just not well distributed, right? <laughs> and it's <laughs> true, the, te the technology exists, and so mm -hmm. the, the problem is with adoption. Mm. Um, and startups perhaps frequently don't necessarily recognize that early correct. on I mean, it's, when they've invented this amazing new tech. It's an unknown unknown, right? Yes. Because mm -hmm. you can have the best product in the world, mm -hmm. But if it can't be adopted mm -hmm. for whatever reason, be that through interoperability, which Stephen and I have talked about in the past, yes. be that for any other reason, the mere behavior change element of getting people to change their practice, you know, mm. it might not quite integrate with people's flow at work. Mm. It's an extra step. Mm -hmm. It's the reason I never put a SIM card into my car so that I could just take calls on my car because it's an extra step. I'm not going to take more my work. SIM card out my phone. Why bother? Exactly. In a yeah. similar way, yeah. if something doesn't, fit into the way that I work, mm. chances are it's not going to get adopted. And that adoption piece is huge. And, and lots of different countries do it very differently. Mm. Some people spend a lot more resource, like hand-holding organizations to actually adopt things. They put people in organizations that are solely responsible for making sure that new innovation is adopted, collating that feedback, sharing right. it amongst other organizations yes. in sort of collaboratives. And that's something that perhaps we could learn in this country in the public sector. I mean, we don't have money to spend on things that are nice to have. It needs to be an absolute need. Mm. And you could argue the adoption of technology is an absolute need, and I certainly would, and I'm sure most of the panel certainly would. Yeah, yeah Almost as if the adoption itself could be a money-saving exercise. Well, absolutely. Although it might not appear it, 
to go out and recruit lots of trainers or something like that. But I, I think yeah. we have that challenge right across the West. I don't mm. think it's a UK mm. issue. Mm. I think the United States is suffering from the same. You know, the re healthcare resource is scarce. Mm -hmm. So how can we become more efficient at what we do in healthcare? Sure. And, and adoption of technology and it's got to be. It's got to be the way. It can't be any other way. Mm. Uh, I did a, a presentation earlier today, and the title was "IT Doesn't Matter," um, and it was focused on um, uh, well, 2003. Nicholas mm -hmm. Carr, the um, Harvard Business Review, um, talked about the fact that it's a sprint to commoditization because um, it's it's similar to the the railroads and electricity. The, the, you know, vast capacities are created through investment and therefore it becomes more of a commodity. And the point I was trying to make is that it's not about technology anymore, it's, it's about the people and the processes. And that's how we can take people by the hand and let them understand that it's okay to try this stuff, it's okay to experiment, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's safe, it's yeah. okay. I mean, the thing is though, a lot of people will use technologies at home, but when they come into the, to the workspace, there may be some sort of concern that they might break something. So I think we need to, we need to help to tailor um, the way we approach and the conversations we have with our people as well. Mm. I think for innovators it's tough though. I think for innovators they they want to understand their customer, right? They want to... Sure. We're dominated by a public sector healthcare system which is extremely vast and complex and mm. finding those customers to get that feedback mm. to build a product that does integrate with people's workflow or mm -hmm. that will be more easily adopted is yes. really tough and that's exactly what we do at HS, which is Excellent. break those barriers down. You know, mm -hmm. We know enough people in the system because of our collective background. You know, We're a group of doctors, ex-entrepreneurs that yes. have built healthcare businesses, et cetera. Mm. And so for us to be able to take people's ideas and those early stage teams that are looking to build something to be integrated, mm -hmm. we can introduce those and break down those barriers really quickly. So that's what exactly the problem mm. that we're trying to solve, which is how do you get these things adopted? Well, actually, let's build them in the right way connect them with the right people for the right feedback and get them adopted that way. So. Excellent. So in a way, that's, that's a core theme of <clears throat> the success of tech innovation is designing for adoption and training the entrepreneurs about the theme of adoption. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think on the surface, you can easily say to yourself, well, what we need is new technologies. Yeah. We need something <laughs> to use the smartphone and detect Cancer, <clears throat> cancer using visible light, yeah. but that's not the answer necessarily, <clears throat> no. or that's the first step of a long journey. No, so, mm. so just to, to sort of tie things together and, and the conversation we were having earlier, mm. so you know, what's the reason do we want people to use the, the, the technology and the devices because it's all about information, right? And an example will be, um, in, in my own trust, um, we've invested a lot of money in training people across the organization on quality improvement techniques. Right. The, the old Deming cycle, plan, do, study, act. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that people can therefore be empowered to go and look at their processes and, and chunk up their processes and look at, if I make this little bit of an improvement, what's it gonna do? Is mm -hmm. it gonna help the process, right? But unless you give them the information, how can they understand if they've made a difference? So it comes back to some of the, the things that you guys are doing with the, the, you know, the, the devices, et cetera. Yeah what you're using it for is, is to give you information. Absolutely. Right? absolutely. So that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah, no, and, and I was just going to say that the area of that we, we now marketed as human factors. So in the product development cycle, mm. spending time looking at human factors. So we were very lucky in our experience. We started working with a gynecologist very early on in the development of, of Z-Scan. Mm -hmm. And that gave us the issues that James was talking about. You know, how does this fit into a clinic? You've got 20 women waiting outside who are going to come in one after the other. 
it needs to be seamless, it needs to work for us. And those are so important yes. in adoption. Uh, Which the design engineers may not necessarily appreciate yeah, if they're forget. just doing their um, work. And then mm -hmm. it's about, as Steve said, about the information. So what do we do? We give richer information to a clinician so they're making a better judgment for that patient at mm -hmm. the end of the day, and mm -hmm. that's improving outcomes. Yes. Uh, it's all simple to say, but uh, yes. <laughs> it takes years. Yeah, yeah. Just, on that, well, just on that, Samir, I think some of the issues that we've encountered as well, and I know that happens across the sector, is that if you've got multiple applications as well, and if the applications have not been designed with the user in need, you know, mm -hmm. or co-produced even, mm -hmm. um, then what you're finding is that, um, and it's well known that a lot of clinicians, you know, have to turn their back to, to the patient because they're filling out details yeah. electronically and they're spending time doing this, but we, we have to make these things more... Which what? Is not patient-friendly? It's not patient-friendly, okay. and we need mm -hmm. to make things, you know, streamlined, but designed with the people that use it every day, and I think that's the important point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Very relevant. So is this a growing um, understanding and capability uh, rather than just designing the tech and hoping it sells? Um, the, 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 the steps way, way beyond the production and the sale of the tech in terms of training, implementation, uh, feedback from the, uh, how do you say it, the clinician Clinicians, or yeah. whoever is using it. Is that something which wasn't here a decade or two ago? Or how did it work back then? I don't know. But is there a growing awareness of this overall? I think, I think it was there. I think it's become more acute with tech mm -hmm. um, because it's affecting every process, everything, you know, from patient walking in and re recording that they are into clinic. They're now here. They're registered. Yes, that used to be a human sort of contact. Now it's an electronic system there. You type your name and you and say I'm here. Or whatever, yeah. and, and so everything's become tech in, mm -hmm. in a sense. And yes. so I think it's just become more acute. Um, mm -hmm. um, about yeah. the impact of that. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and just to go back to one thing that Stephen mentioned about co-development. Mm. Um, yeah, you mentioned that quite quite quickly and flippantly, but it's hugely important. Mm. You know, what's an example? Well, what we t what we often say to people is try and convince the healthcare organisation that it's their idea. Oh, okay. So essentially, <laughs> essentially work with them. Yes. To design, develop test because so it's really, really buying into it yeah it's really tough for yeah. innovators there's a huge mm -hmm. chicken and egg between getting a trial and yeah. getting evidence because mm -hmm. in order to get evidence you need a trial and in order to get trial you need evidence oh for sure so mm -hmm. what we say to people is the only realistic way of breaking that is mm -hmm. to build a relationship with an organization a mm -hmm. department a ward mm -hmm. a, a clinician build that relationship so if they trust you they'll trust your product and actually mm -hmm. that's often the way to break that cycle nice. and you can work with them then to actually mm. co-develop it in such a way the tech won't really change but the way the tech is implemented really will mm. I'm sure you've seen that in your practice yeah. the best way that's done yeah mm. and we um, over, over the last couple of years we've come on a, a journey to develop a personal health record and we, we did it with a, a, a small you know uh, enterprise to help us and they came in and challenged assumptions but they also performed around 700 hours worth of um, conversations, research, getting mm. information, but wow. they had, and mm. they had patients and clinicians involved mm. and researchers yeah. because just to create the design spec, to, yes, um, and to understand the need. Mm -hmm. yeah. And but what came out of that was was really valuable. Is that the carers didn't really have a voice, so we built that into the new personal health record that mm. the, if the patient is happy with the carer to have access to the details then the carer's got access and the carer can contribute towards the record. The carer outside mm -hmm. of the hospital environment. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that person's care. Oh, superb. Yes. So, mm. so when you discover the, these sort of things and you understand, um, another example is, is, is talking to patients and um, this lady said to me one day that when she goes to, she went to the doctor mm-hmm. um, and she got a referral because um, she's had um, anxiety, mental health issues. So that referral may be six to eight weeks plus away. And she said, that's almost like I've got to time my crisis. So if I had somewhere, <laughs> yeah, if I had somewhere where I could get access to online resources, somewhere where I could share how I was feeling, my thoughts, mood, sleep patterns, etc. Yes. By the time that person sees the consultant, you get six weeks of longitudinal data mm-hmm. that already starts to form a view of the whole person. Which should presumably change the opportunity for the clinician yes. dramatically. Absolutely. Because you can't time your, your crises can you? No. And um, is that where things like the, the the smart tech that's on your body can help, or are we a long way from that making a difference? Because I, 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 every time you go to the doctor, you have to start all over again with your story, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I, I know you could probably come in here, but mm. I'll just add to it. So, so the way I see technology moving mm-hmm. um, from a health perspective is that if you've got the user-generated data through mm-hmm. the wearables, right, um, and you've got user-reported data through it could be questions or surveys or mood or alcohol intake or whatever Mm -hmm. so if you've got those two sources of data and then you digitally triage that with the electronic health record Mm -hmm. right that's a huge rich source of data and the more data that you have anonymized then you start to put the machine learning on the back of that and that comes into recommendation territory Oh, okay. Right. So we notice that when you take your medicine at this time, your yes. mood changes, your yes. blood pressure increases, or you know heart rate changes. We recommend you take it at this point in time of the day, or we reckon you change it. So that's the way I see the, the technology in, in health moving. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so on that, I think with wearables and the amount of data that's coming out of that, you've got to be really careful as a, as a startup or as an organisation because we're not mm. quite ready as a health mm-hmm. service. Mm to stick wearables on everybody and collect 24 hours worth of data from 60 million people. Sure. We're not ready to handle that amount of data and it's only until we train these AI machine learning algorithms to cope with that data properly mm-hmm. that we're actually going to be in a position to use that. So one of our companies on our cohort is called Febris. Okay. Um, so Elena is a biomedical engineer, a data scientist. She's done a PhD in machine learning from Oxford. So wow. She's created a startup which is all about harnessing um, that data in the right way. So she takes data from wearables, she cleans the signals, puts mm-hmm. it through machine learning, mm-hmm. and she's got a point of care diagnostic tool for respiratory disease and a predictive element as well. Oh, so superb. she can predict respiratory disease before it happens. So yes. she's trialing it in uh, retirement villages in the UK and she's offsetting the cost for neonates and babies in rural India. Mm -hmm. So she's got a real kind of innovative holistic business model. But the point is, is that she's harnessing that data in the right way because she's trained an algorithm to be over 80 odd percent accurate, both sensitive and specific. Yes. So she can cope with all that data. It's not as simple as putting wearables. I'll introduce you, Steve. Because there's a a bigger picture. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, it's it's about harnessing it in the right way. Yeah. And I guess the, how do you say it, the impact of those wearables is uh, in its infancy. Um, this thing tells me to breathe every hour, and so I'm not quite sure how valuable that is, <laughs> and therefore I'm learning to ignore it. Uh, but I guess there's, uh, there's a, uh, a long, <laughs> long road to go I, down the... But down I think the, the, the wearables market, you know, when it went through that sort of, you know, the, the hype cycle. Um, yes. And then the, the trough of disillusionment. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, this is the, the next generation of wearables. So. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't have it with me today, but it's ordered, is that you, you can get the same data from a ring now. Mm. Yes. So there's a couple of players on the market. And yes. I think that- That'll change, won't that, it? That's, that's, that's less intrusive, you know, mm -hmm. I, I like a Swiss watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that it's heading in the right direction, but if you think about it, you know, we, the, the thought of wearables, like maybe five years ago, <laughs> six years ago. Well, that's I true. Think, it's changing was, dramatically, isn't yeah. it? We're going to have to wrap up in a few minutes, by the way. Yeah. So, so um, let's just go around. To, <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 it's good stuff. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's just so on the wearables that actually yeah. I think where it's really helping is is on the education piece as individuals mm -hmm. so we're a lot more health savvy because you know this thing's telling me oh my blood pressure might be a little high yes so that's fine I'm, I'm now educating myself on what high blood pressure means or low blood pressure means for me sure which is great mm -hmm. um, I think there's still steps to take in terms of where we get to recommendations for clinicians um, because the regulators then come in and say, well, we need the evidence to support those. Yeah. Um, the so complexity think, of the uh, So that's, that's yes. I think, a, a little way away, but the mm -hmm. education piece is, is great, I mm. think. No, it's uh, a very good point. Sorry. So no, no, not at all. No, no, good addition. Well, let's just wrap up, if you don't mind, and go around and uh, uh, share very briefly what are some of your uh, visions of the future, very, very briefly. Do you have a particular uh, area you're working on or something that you really want to see happen uh, sometime soon in healthcare tech innovation? So, um, Stephen, go ahead. For, for me, um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the technology is the, the given side of things. And mm -hmm. for me, what we're focusing on from a London perspective is joining up the records and, and joining up health and social care. And that's a big thing. And we, we've set up a London digital board with all the players there, London Ambulance Service, Public Health England, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the Sadiq Khan's chief digital officer, Theo Blackwell, is there at the table. And the idea is we want to make sure that we all work together from a public services perspective and join everything up and, and, and use our data smartly for, for the benefit of our population. Yeah. Excellent. Great. James? For me personally, I think yeah. um, the future is technology emancipating clinicians to actually care for patients. Mm -hmm. I think that's the dream. Fabulous. Um, and for HS, we're mm -hmm. looking to essentially harness the brightest minds on the planet yes. to come and work on solutions for healthcare and set the UK up as a hub of excellence for health tech globally. Oh, superb. Well, hopefully some of those brightest minds on the planet are watching right now I and are so. going to be contacting you. <laughs> and um, Samir, how about you? Um, so I'm going to be a bit more insular and talk about Zillico. Um, sure. So one of the excitements um, um, is around um, using electrical assessment of cells and tissue mm -hmm. during surgery for um, tissue margin um, um, surgery. Okay. Um, and especially as we go into robotics and AI, um, you robot, uh, robots, AI will need ways of distinguishing disease versus healthy tissue. Mm -hmm. um, and I think electrically you can do that. You can also do that with light-based um, but we're very excited from, from our side in terms of the electrical aspect of that. Yes, well that's fabulous and uh, looking forward to seeing the results of that in the future. <laughs> yeah. Well thank you all obviously for joining us tonight and uh, Stephen, James, Samir, it's a pleasure to have you guys on board and we're grateful for your interesting and uh, intelligent and uh, valuable contribution. So thank you very much. Thank you. Once again my name is Barry Schreier and uh, I'm your host here on Healthy Innovators TV. Thank you very much for watching. We hope to see you in the future. This company is uh, sponsored by Giant Health, which is an annual event about healthcare tech innovation. And we certainly hope to engage with all of you people that are passionate about improving the future of healthcare by promoting innovation in healthcare technology at the annual Giant Health event, which is coming up at the end of this year here in London, England. So thank you very much for watching and look forward to having you on the show in the future.